0: Good afternoon and welcome to Blueprint for Efficiency, a webinar speaker series hosted by the Center for Business and the Environment at Yale and the MIT Energy Club. My name is Rasha Kaman and I will be your host for this afternoon's presentation entitled I, I'm The, the Single Biggest Untapped Source of Energy on the Planet, You. We would like to acknowledge the Emily Hall Tremaine Foundation and the no, funding Russia. support. Young young.
1: Yeah, you went through the phone. Can you hear me?
2: I think hmm.
0: Testing. Good afternoon and welcome to Blueprint for Efficiency a webinar speaker series hosted by the Center for Business and the Environment at Yale and the MIT Energy Club. My name is Rasha Grimman, and I will be your host for this afternoon's presentation entitled The Single Best, Biggest Untapped Source of Energy on the Planet, You. We would like to acknowledge the Emily Hall Tremaine Foundation for their funding support of the Carbon Finance Speaker Series at Yale. A word about our speaker series. The Yale Center for Business and the Environment and the MIT Energy Club are pleased to present the fourth annual installment of the Carbon Finance Speaker Series, Blueprint for Efficiency. This series of public webinars will feature the latest developments in energy efficiency policy, investment, technology, and community engagement, with a special focus on the Department of Energy's Better Buildings program. In today's talk, presented live from Yale Studios in New Haven, Connecticut, our panelists from United Illuminating and O Power will discuss behavioral energy efficiency as a solution for meeting energy efficiency mandates. Across the country states are setting aggressive energy efficiency mandates from 10% to 25% reduction in the coming decade. Smart meters, retrofits and more efficient appliances will help us achieve our goal but only if we can get a large portion of households to buy in. Historically efficiency program participation rates have been low, less than 5% but emerging broad scale behavior based efficiency provides the potential to meet those goals through a combination of small changes in day-to-day consumption among more than 80% of households and by improving participation of traditional energy efficiency programs. Progressive utilities including United Illuminating on behalf of the CT Energy Efficiency Fund are now incorporating behavior-based efficiency into their overall energy savings approach. Bill Power is a leading provider of behavioral efficiency, generating more than 400 gigawatts of savings in 2011 to 50-plus clients across the U.S. Using a multi-channel approach, behavioral science and leading UX, Opower helps households save by removing black spots of consumption and motivating consumers to act. Now for a quick word about our panelists. Kirsten Brooks is a program administrator for EE Smarts and the Smart Living Center at United Illuminating, a regulated investor-owned electric utility serving southern Connecticut. Prior to her role at UI, she held positions at the MIT Media Lab and VH1 Music. She has an MS in nonprofit Management from New School University and a Bachelor's in Journalism from New York University. Barry Fisher is a member of Opower's engagement management team where he works with utility partners to ensure the full delivery of energy efficiency goals. He helps to design and implement home energy reporting programs for utilities across the Eastern U.S. Barry studied environmental engineering at Stanford and completed a Fulbright Fellowship researching clean energy in the Pacific Islands. Chris Corcoran works with Opower's strategy and marketing team to develop new market opportunities and educate external stakeholders about Opower's approach. A former strategy consultant in the Katzenbach Partners energy practice, Chris brings his past exposure to developing smart grid business plans for several investor-owned utilities to Opower. Chris studied government and the environment at Harvard. Please welcome Kirsten, Barry, and Chris to Blueprint for Efficiency.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Barry Fisher from Opower. And I'm here with Chris Corcoran and Kirsten Brooks uh, from United Illuminating. My colleague Chris is from Opower. So you're here to talk about the potential of residential energy users, such as yourselves, to use less energy uh, and to discuss how Opower, as a company, fits into this picture. Uh, so energy efficiency is an increasingly viewed by policymakers and also utility companies as an important resource in managing our energy portfolio. And the residential sector accounts for more than one-third of non-transportation energy demand in the United States. So household energy use is what we're going to focus on today and that's what Opower focuses on as a company. Uh, Opower is currently working, as Roshik said, with over 50 electric and gas utility companies including United Illuminating right here in New Haven, uh, to give residential customers better information, analysis, and advice about their energy use, which in turn enables those customers to better manage their energy use and save on their utility bills. So utility companies are increasingly interested in reducing their customers' energy demand. And you might ask, why? One extremely important driver, of their interest to reduce customers' energy demand is state-level regulation. And across the country, state legislators and rulemakers are, for environmental and infrastructure reasons, establishing targets to drive down energy demand. Uh, And on this map, you will see a bunch of blue states. They are not related to the Electoral College. Um, In any case, it's not about blue states or red states. It's the United States of America. Um, but yeah, these uh, blue states illustrate the states that now have formal regulatory targets for utilities to decrease energy demand. And you will see from C to Shining C here that uh, these efficiency targets uh, often take the form of 10 to 20 percent uh, goals, uh, a demand and energy reduction relative to baseline energy demand over uh, the next 10 to 15 years. Um, So I'd like to examine the 20% uh, goal level um, that a state like Arizona and Massachusetts and Vermont um, are aspiring to. And point out that 20% is a big reduction when it comes to anything that we consume in substantial volume. Uh, Imagine cutting your soda pop intake by 20% uh, or uh, attending 20% fewer webinars from the Yale Center for Business and the environment. Uh, You you need to be creative uh, in tackling such a challenge. So to decrease energy use by 20% on a national level, uh, one possible solution, as you'll see on this next map, um, is to shut off power. to the entire West Coast and most of the Northeast. Um, some of you might think that is an unreasonable course of action to reduce energy demand by 20%. Um, so another option is to shut up power to uh, the entire Southeast United States um, and the Central Atlantic. Um, but with the 2012 election season around the corner, uh, this is likely to be politically unfeasible. Um, <laughs> But uh, uh, let's get serious. Uh, Our good friends at McKinsey uh, a couple years ago did a comprehensive investigation uh, of the current profile of non-transportation energy use uh, in the United States uh, between now and 2020 and evaluated the array of opportunities to decrease energy use um, over that time frame. And the McKinsey team found that a lot of our current energy use uh, in the residential sector especially is simply wasteful. Uh, It's not going toward constructive purposes. Uh, For example, as you may know, all the small holes and air leaks in the walls uh, of a typical home are equivalent to leaving a window open all day, all year long, uh, which can lead to a lot of wasted energy. Then there's old refrigerators and Inefficient lighting, things like that, which uh, result in uh, drawing excessive power. So the McKinsey team found that across the whole residential sector, uh, we're wasting about $395 billion worth um, of energy. And they found that we can eliminate that waste um, and we can cut about 28% of our current energy usage in the residential sector. And to do that would require an upfront investment of $229 billion, uh, which far um, is far below the $395 billion that we're currently wasting. Uh, a $165 billion net benefit from that investment uh, seems attractive to me. Um, and A lot of these savings, a lot of this uh, elimination of waste was projected to come from structural improvements to the residential uh, sector, such as sealing air leaks, uh, increasing appliance efficiency, and improving insulation, which are all very important energy saving initiatives. Uh, And many communities across the US have launched programs to implement these kinds of structural improvements I'm going to turn it over to my colleague Chris Corcoran to discuss a case study of these efforts.
1: Great. Thank you, Barry. Uh, We're all sharing one headset here, so apologies in the transition time. Um, So just to recap what Barry said, there are aggressive goals across the U.S. of upwards of 20% efficiency savings. Meanwhile, our good friends, the experts at McKinsey, identified up to 28% in residential savings opportunity. So you might think, well, McKinsey identified 28% opportunity. The goal is only 28% opportunity. That's an 8%, 8% surplus. We can all go home now. We've done our job, and we'll get to those goals. But uh, as anyone who's tried to cut down their uh, co-consumption for 20% or anyone who's given up something for Lent right now knows, Changing your behavior that significantly can be very difficult to achieve. So we want to look at a case study of uh, energy engagement and um, and efficiency savings, and that is in Boulder, Colorado. So in case you're not familiar with it, in 2006, uh, Excel Energy in Boulder, Colorado launched Smart Grid City, and this was a uh, multi-year, four to five-year program. Uh, It was a pilot, which I will mention was focused on the smart grid and testing the technology of the smart grid in the real world, including web portal and in-home devices. There was an overall goal, especially in the residential sector, to help people become smarter users of energy. And as part of that program, um, more than $100 million was invested uh, to help people make structural upgrades to the grid, but also to provide these web portal tools and home displays and help these 91,000 residents become smarter users of energy efficiency. So just to set the scene, we've got a small town, medium-sized town in uh, Boulder, Um, huge investment and the goal of engaging people on energy consumption. So this was one of the most progressive pilots in the nation and, you know, the Wall Street Journal did an audit of the program in February of 2010 let's see how they did. So specifically what was marketed there were... On the efficiency space were energy audits for residences and businesses, insulation rebates, conservation kits, and commitments to conserve. Uh, I'm going to, this is kind of hard to do on a webinar, but I'm going to put the audience uh, on the spot. Anyone in the room want to guess what the highest percent participation rate was? Rashek?
0: 2%.
1: Oh, Rashek says 2%. Maybe he's you seen this slide, <laughs> <laughs> you can click that. It's 2%. <laughs> Someone's getting an Opower Power t shirt. <laughs> Uh, good job. <laughs> so uh, the point here is, despite all of that massive investment and the attention uh, focused on smart grid city, the number of households that sa- signed up for a residential audit was two percent. Um, that's pretty low, especially considering all the focus that went into the program. Why is it? Well, you know, McKinsey identified the economic opportunity. It makes sense. There's a rational argument for people to make these improvements. And so if there's a rational argument and there's an opportunity, why aren't people making these changes? And as uh, Kevin Doran said, he was a researcher at the University of Colorado uh, Law School Environment Center, what we found is that for the vast majority of people, it's exceedingly difficult to get them to do much of anything. And uh, that's disappointing, but it's true. It's very hard even in the face of these rational economic arguments to get people to take action. And so what this slide that we're showing now is, let's imagine that we had a 10x penetration of the uh, home audit. Okay, so instead of 2%, we had 25% of homes participating. And let's imagine that there was substantial opportunity found in each home and the homes uh, changed their behavior and were able to save 10% on an ongoing basis each year. That 10% from the 25% that engaged would still only be a total of about 2.5% savings across the entire residential sector. That's a huge chunk, and 2.5% reduction is something to be proud of, but it is only a small piece in getting us towards those substantial goals of 10 to 20% savings. You know, um, you might say 10% for an audit is a bit conservative, but even if we doubled that, we're still substantially lower than our goal. So, The challenge now is, well, we've identified that we have these aggressive goals and we've identified that there are ways to achieve them through structural and technological upgrades. Unfortunately, it's just very difficult to motivate people to save. And even if we were able to motivate a quarter of the population on a single program, we'd still have much more work to do. So what can we do to motivate people to save and really start achieving these efficiency goals? So that's a pretty good setup for introducing Opower now. at least as we think about it from Opower. Who is Opower? Who are we? We are a behavioral uh, efficiency software company that really focuses on broad-based engagement. Uh, we intend to give people better information about their energy use, uh, work with utility partners to analyze that data, and provide insight to users on how they can change their behavior. And give them the tools and the tips that they need, to really go out and make those changes and realize the benefits of uh, behavioral efficiency. We're a company based in D.C. We're about 200 employees, as Barry said, working with 50 utilities across the nation. And we really pride ourselves on our multi-channel platform, our analytics engine, our behavioral science that's led by our chief scientist, Dr. Robert Cialdini, a recognized leader in the space of influence and behavioral psychology, our mass marketing uh, uh, pedigree from Amazon.com and Capital One. And the fact that we're working very closely with regulators across the U.S. to make sure that behavioral efficiency is approved for energy savings. Now, this platform suite at the left uh, may not look um, dissimilar to other platform suites you might see from some of our competitors. (coughs) One thing I will say uh, in pride of Opower is that it's the only platform suite where this is actually deployed live today with utilities across the nation. So at left, we have our... um, Home Energy Reports, these are full color customized reports that go out to over one and a half million households today um, that really that give people context into their energy use and give them tips to say Barry's going to talk a little more in depth on the reports. We have the home energy rep- portal, which is fully integrated into the uh, paper reports. So for those customers who are interested in a deeper dive, they can go online and learn more. And we also support in-home display and uh, smartphones. What does all this mean? We find that when we deploy the reports we get better than 85% customer engagement and on average we see a one and a half to three and a half percent demand reduction in each of those households. Now what do we mean when we say 85% customer engagement? That's the number of households that we know through surveys and through analysis open reports and take action to save energy. In 2011 we anticipate to save over 450 gigawatt hours of energy. Just to give you some context that's enough energy to effectively take 45,000 homes off the grid, and it's about a little more than one-third of all of the wind and solar generation uh, combined in the United States in 2011. So it's a substantial impact, and we're very proud uh, of the reduction to emissions and energy that we're working with our partners to achieve. Um, so this is a little bit about uh, you know the tools that we use to get people to engage in their energy. You might ask, you know. In the face of these uh, economic motivations that I mentioned are not particularly effective, how do we get people to instead change their behavior and really take action? So I'm going to turn it back over to Barry, who's going to talk to you a little bit about our history and product philosophy. Thank you,
2: Chris. So as Chris mentioned, O'Power's approach uh, is a behavioral approach. It's found, and we we're looking to change people's behavior. Uh, when it comes to energy consumption so they can cut their energy use and save on their bills. So our, our approach is founded on uh, cutting edge behavioral science uh, in this sense. And for us to deliver on our goal of delivering energy savings across millions of households, um, and we're currently uh, engaging with over 1 pi- 1. 1.5 million households nationwide. Uh, we need to understand how people behave when it comes to using energy and specifically what motivates them to change their level of usage. And an important investigation of this topic was carried out by two professors in Southern California uh, in the summer of 2001 in the midst of the state's energy crisis. I'm from Northern California. Uh, this hit close to home for me. Um, and uh, it was a tough time. And the, the professors wanted to find out what motivates people to decrease their energy consumption? So the professors and their loyal research assistants uh, did an, experience, uh, an experiment using door hangers. And on the next slide, uh, you will see three door hangers. And the professors and the research assistants, in their quest to find out what motivates people to change their energy usage, put uh, various door hangers on. Uh, Uh, a lot of homes stating different reasons for why people should use less energy during the summer. And some of the homes received the first door hanger on the left that said, you should turn off your air conditioning this summer and turn on your fan more because it will save you money. That's the reason you should do it. Some other homes received the middle door hanger that said you should turn off your AC and turn on the fan because that's good for the environment. It will prevent air pollution from power plants if we're using less energy. And the third door hanger uh, went to another group of citizens. And it said, use less energy because it's good citizenship. It will help prevent rolling blackouts. Uh, and I will uh, turn over the question to other people in the room other than Rashik. Um to, uh, to see which door hanger you think was most effective in driving people to change their energy consumption? Money. 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 All right, we have a lot of greeting people in the room <laughs> as probably many of people on the line are as well. And they're saying that money is the key driver uh, in motiv- motivating people to use less energy. They can save money. So it turns out that at the end of the study, they compared energy usage Uh, across the homes receiving these different door hangers and compared to homes that received no door hanger. And they found that there was a zero impact on consumption. Uh, People receiving these door hangers didn't matter which one was as good as receiving no door hanger. There was really no impact on energy consumption. What I've been hiding from you all this time is that there was a fourth door hanger. And it said, use less energy this summer turn off your air conditioning and turn on the fan, because the majority of your neighbors are also turning off their AC and turning on their fan. And this uh, social context um, was very powerful. People who received this message decreased energy consumption by 6%, which is amazing, uh, especially when compared to our expectations over on the left. And this finding that social context is critical and that the actions of our peers influence the way that we behave uh, very much stuck in the minds of the founders of Opower. They latched onto this insight. And uh, one of the professors um, in this study, Robert Cialdini, became the chief scientist of Opower and helped the founders to scale up this insight and apply it on a large scale to uh, change people's behavior when it comes to using less energy. Uh, And in fact, Opower's product today still reflects an emphasis on the importance of social context and other uh, insights from behavioral science. And uh, we'll soon be uh, turning it over to Kirsten Brooks from United Illuminating to talk about how we're applying uh, these behavioral science insights for the customers of United Illuminating. Uh, But I will show you uh, this home energy report here. Uh, Chris alluded uh, alluded to it before, this is what we're sending to over 1.5 million homes nationwide. It's often bimonthly information source um, and analysis that is sent to homes so they can better understand their energy usage uh, and take action to reduce it. So uh, what's emphasized here is this neighbor energy comparison uh, that I just mentioned. This bar chart shows how your home, you receiving the report, uh, used energy uh, relative to similar homes in your neighborhood. And with that social context, you can see if you're using more than average or if you're better than average, and so on, and respond accordingly. Uh, The report also presents personalized uh, energy efficiency advice. that uh, is targeted based on demographic characteristics that we know about the occupants of the home, such as whether they are owners of the home or renters of the home, uh, how many occupants are in the home, uh, income level, and information like that. And 6,000 lucky United Illuminating customers uh, were randomly selected to participate in such a home energy report program that presents these helpful insights and social context uh, to them. Uh, And Kirsten will be discussing that program momentarily. Um, United Illuminating has a relatively small program uh, relative to some of our other Home Energy Report deployments. Uh, The scale can be quite large. And on this next slide, the pie chart indicates that in Massachusetts, Uh, 24 percent of the state's residential energy efficiency portfolio and goals is accounted for by Opower's Home Energy Reports program and the savings associated with that. So that's a very large chunk that represents 49 gigawatt hours of energy savings, and that's equivalent to taking about 5,000 homes off the Massachusetts electricity grid. a year. Uh, So the scale is large and we continue to add more utility partners uh, to uh, send our uh, energy reports to their customers. Uh, Chris will briefly go into greater detail around the opportunities to achieve uh, behavioral savings um, in households and some survey work that Opower has done characterize the opportunity. And then Kirsten will give the on-the-ground uh, perspective of how those uh, opportunities are um, are being pursued at Unite Illuminating.
1: Great. Thanks, Barry. So you might say, well, we've talked about this 20% that we need to achieve, and we talked about how McKinsey identified some of the structural changes. Your Opower is suggesting that we can also get there through uh, behavioral um, means as well. So we went back and we looked at the McKinsey report, and we wanted to know what percentage of that 27 to 28% residential opportunity they identified was attributed to behavior-based savings. And so what we found was that McKinsey explicitly excluded behavior-based savings. For the purpose of their report, Unlocking Energy Efficiency in the U.S. Economy, they looked at only those efficiency initiatives that could be hardwired as opposed to relying on sustained behavior change among end users. There is a lot of juice in hardwired changes and uh, McKinsey identified that, but Opower knows that there's a lot of juice also in sustained behavior change. In fact, it's what our entire company is based upon, getting people better information and insights about their energy use, motivating them to take action, and then helping them sustain that efficiency over time. So we decided that uh, we would take a deeper look, and whereas McKinsey had focused on structural changes, we wanted to know how much juice was there on the behavior side. We talked about how Opower is delivering 2.5 to 3.5% savings per household today. And we're very proud of those savings, and it's adding up to be a significant savings across uh, the U.S. But we really wanted to know if we were able to fully penetrate those behavior changes, what is the size of the opportunity and behavioral efficiency? So we launched a survey in the fall of 2008, uh, sorry, 2010, and what we were looking for was what we call unnecessary use, meaning leaving the A.C. on, for instance, while you're away on vacation or away at work while no one is home to benefit from the cooler home. And then what we also classified as excessive use, which is more subjective but includes things like lengthy showers uh, over 12 minutes, I think, in this case. Some people might think that is a necessity rather than excessive use. But we're just trying to identify what is the opportunity in getting people to change their behavior and reduce nationwide energy consumption. I'm going to, for the last time, I think, put the room on the spot here. Anyone want to guess what percentage of households leave the AC or heat on while they're not at home? Wow, this is like a very well-educated. The guess was eighty. The guess was eighty percent. So if you click down, it is eighty-one <laughs> percent. Uh, wow, very uh, educated audience here. So the point is, yeah, that's a huge opportunity. Four out of five people are leaving the house, and they're not turning off the AC. Uh, they're letting it run while no one is there. And like, likewise, there's also some opportunity in getting people to maybe you know heat not all of their home when it's not in use or uh, set the thermostat to what we might consider a more reasonable level. So we did the survey. It was 2,000 homes nationwide, uh, random sampling last fall. And we got this feedback on how people are using energy and what we defined as wasted energy to kind of model what the opportunity is. So we took these survey responses. We modeled them against typical consumption behavior in terms of where energy is going the size of households, and the size of energy consumption. And what we are estimating is that there is about a 21% opportunity in just preventing that behavior-based waste. So by getting people to change their day-to-day energy consumption, we can reduce as much as a fifth of all the energy in the residential sector. Now, again, this is a modeled estimate based upon our survey, but let me explain to you how we got there. We started off with the biggest lever, which was uh, AC and heat. So just by getting people to install a programmable thermostat, uh, put in a Wi-Fi thermostat, or just turn off the AC when they leave the house, we could cut 7% of total residential consumption. Likewise, we'll just click through. We saw a 3% opportunity in water heating. We saw an opportunity in lighting, just getting people to turn off the lights in the rooms that they're not in. Uh, washer, dryer, and dishes only washing full loads. The TV, turning it off while you're not watching it. How many of us leave the TV on? or the computer in the background for ambient noise or light when we're doing something else and finally the you know ever present phantom load and uh, getting rid of that and making sure that we have smart appliances which are not sucking energy while well. they're not in use at all So you add all this up and we've got about a 20% opportunity now you know this is our modeling maybe it's between 15% and 20% the point is there's a significant opportunity from behavioral savings Opower is very excited about this And we see a lot of room for us to grow and improve our own savings so that we can help households move towards this 20% uh, behavioral savings. And so what does all this mean? Uh, Just tying the two messages together, there's a huge opportunity in the structural improvements that McKinsey identified. And this is some of the structural improvements that have been made in utility energy efficiency portfolios from 2004 to 2008. Uh, Things like CFLs, Energy Star appliances, Plant recycling, weatherization, and home audit programs. So there was a lot of conservation done uh, in the mid 2000s. Likewise, in that that same period, if we had deployed behavior based savings, we could have more than doubled all the savings. So, what we're trying to show here in this slide is that behavioral savings can be a a substantial complement to structure and technology improvements. And together, those two bases of savings can help us get towards our aggressive goals of 10 to 15 to 20 percent reduction in the residential sector. So we're excited to focus on the behavioral side and I'm going to turn it over now to Kirsten who's going to talk about how United Eliminating is focusing on both behavior-based savings and structural savings to help their customers save energy.
3: Hello everyone. This is Kirsten Brooks. I work at at United Eliminating, also called UI. Uh, just to give you some background on us, I know that um, Barry had told you before that we have, um, or maybe it was Chris, I can't remember, who said that we have um, a little bit of a small pilot going on with only 6,000 customers. Uh, we have 325,000 customers in our service territory, which is uh, mostly in the southern Connecticut area. Uh, this is around New Haven, um, down to Fairfield, and a little bit north of that. So uh, we have had at UI about 20 years of conservation programs, but then most recently in 1998 due to some Connecticut legislation, um, we established, or not we, the state established, the Connecticut Energy Efficiency Fund. And so with that, um, the programs are administered by the utilities, just like UI and Connecticut Light and Power, which is CLMP. Um, So we've had a lot of of business in the conservation field. Um, So this shows you on this slide right here, specific to this report. I'll get into the uh, specifics of our program in just a minute, but um, these are some of the tools that we are using. Uh, this first one on your left-hand side is the monthly printed reports. This goes out um, every month for an entire year uh, to 6,000 of our uh, customers. We also have the web portals portal, so that once you get your report, there's a website listed on there, and you can go on and get more um, more detailed information on the portal, and you can also make some choices as to Different ways that you're going to change your behaviors. I'm going to turn off my lights. I'm going to turn off the TV. I'm going to try to make those changes, and you can um, note those on the web. Uh, and then there's also email or paperless reports. A lot of people um, that we talk to are interested in paperless reports because they want to help the environment in that kind of way as well. And so those emails go out a friendly reminder to go online and to check out uh, your monthly uh, monthly usage. And then on the bottom there, we have the customer service application. Uh, which were, uh, we at UI, a couple of us, and then our customer service um, representatives are able to go on and help customers if they have any questions about their reports, um, if they want to opt out, or if they want to just learn more about how their um, program is going. Also, in uh, as part of the program, there was a welcome insert for the very first month. That was January. We started in January, and we go all the way through December of this year. Uh, this was the welcome insert, just a little bit about, you know, hey, what is this program I'm a part of? Um, gave some information about what is the Home Energy Report, what are these different graphs and charts that are available, and also explained a little bit about the Energy Efficiency Fund. I'll go to the next slide. So what is the Energy Efficiency Fund? I mentioned before that it was started in 1998 uh, due to some Connecticut legislation. Uh, it's, it's really unique here in Connecticut. It's um, All of our Connecticut Light and Power and um, UI customers and uh, gas customers pay into this Energy Efficiency Fund. So, um, one of those mini-charges that happens on your electric bill, now you know what one of them is. It's for the Energy Efficiency Fund, and all this money goes into this, um, into building programs for our customers. So we promote energy efficiency use. We help both residential customers and businesses um, save on their electric bills. We of course advance economic development, reduce electric demand, and then help reduce air pollution. Um, and Like I said before, in the next bullet point, it's showing that um, it's because of a charge on customers' bills. If you did have more, you wanted more information about that, it's ctenergyinfo.com. Um, it's a clearinghouse for all of our programs. Um, what's unique about um, the Home Energy Reports program is that we are able to synergize um, with a lot of our different programs that we have here. The Energy Efficiency Fund um, about a year and a half ago decided, you know what, maybe we should look into this behavior stuff. Maybe we should find out really um, if we give a treatment to our customers like an energy report and the use of the website. What really will happen? Will we save those that 2.5 average uh, for our customers um, in their energy use? So they felt that it was a unique opportunity to do this. Um, and some of our other programs like the Home Energy Solutions Program, which is a home energy assessment program, um, uh, we promote those as part of the reports and on the website. Um, and then the Home Energy um, Solutions Income Eligible, that's what the HESIE is. Um, and it also helps to promote things like um, the Smart Living Center, which is um, kind of like a museum in um, a science area where you can find out more about energy efficiency that is um, offered at no cost to our residents in Connecticut. So these are some really great ways that we can synergize a lot of our programs. So what kind of program are we doing? Um, we have 6,000 um, electric customers involved in this um, O-Power program. Uh, we were looking at energy efficiency program participants, people that are already in the energy efficiency programs, have had HES, um, have had, um, participated in some of our HVAC programs, um, and then we also wanted to see um, maybe some high usage customers as well. But I should tell you that we actually had um, a little bit of recruitment on this. We're not all um, 6,000. Not all 6,000 were uh, randomly selected. We decided here at UI that it was it was a really unique opportunity to use this as a marketing tool. Um, So, what we did is we went out uh, to customers, Uh, we engaged them through social media with with Facebook. Um, We also reached out to people that were coming to the Smart Living Center um, in a lot of different areas through the um, Clean Energy Task Forces that exist in a lot of our towns here in in Connecticut and specifically in the UI territory. And We asked them to participate. These are early adopters. These are people that may be already interested in environmentalism and that type of thing. Um, So a number of that that 6,000 is actually involved in that um, as well. So, uh, the specifics of this, they get the welcome insert, like I mentioned before, 12 home energy reports, so that's one per month. Um, of course, they're measuring um, their energy use against their quote-unquote neighbors, and that is um, around a mile around, around your area, so a little, bit, a little bit less than that. And our specific goals at UI were to provide meaningful, actionable insights to UI customers to achieve some, some savings. We wanted to see what would happen. And of course, uh, increased customer satisfaction, and that's a big part of the marketing aspect of it. We not only wanted to market to some VIP customers, um, but we also wanted to use this entire program um, as a marketing opportunity for our energy efficiency fund programs. Um, The the pilot is in progress right now, so we're only a couple of months in, um, about to be finished with our first quarter, so we can see some results on that soon. And then we're also conducting a customer satisfaction survey. So we're just starting that process right now. Um, which is to see how customers like the reports. Do they like the frequency of the reports? Um, is, are the graphs easy to, to, to use? Um, are they getting anything out of it? Um, are they opting out? We want to we kind of find, find out who's opting out of the program as well. So that's, um, that's pretty much the, the UI program that we have here, um, all sponsored by and provided by the Energy Efficiency Fund. So I think I'm passing it back to Chris.
1: Oh, Oh, it looks like everyone gets to see my calendar for a second. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You can just tab to uh, the PowerPoint. Great. Um, (laughs) Thanks everyone so much for uh, coming to this webinar. And a big thanks to Yale uh, for putting this together and for hosting us, uh, specifically to Reshak for coordinating everything. Opower is excited to be here. I want to thank Kristen and United Illuminating for presenting with us. Uh, We're excited to be partnering here in New Haven, in southern Connecticut. And uh, let me turn it over now to Roshak. Thanks so much.
0: Um, all right, thanks, Chris, Kristen, uh, Kirsten, and Barry. Yeah. We, have we have a, a few questions question from the audience. I'm going to throw out about uh, 10, 10 minutes or so for questions. I'm going to try to get in as many as, many as possible. Um, um, so, so one of the one questions that comes from, come from the audience system. System. is, is really working with commercial buildings, or tenants in the commercial space?
1: That's a great question. OPower currently focuses on residential deployments. Um, Of the 50 utilities that we have uh, nationwide, all of them are focused on residential deployments. There are a couple of reasons for that. We really, the company was founded to remove kind of the black box of energy consumption for residential account holders, you know, households who. Get an electric bill every month, understand that having the lights on drives up electricity, but really don't understand what where their usage is going or what they can do to improve necessarily. So we are focused on the residential sector, which is also the sector where there's the greatest ability to do peer comparisons and motivate people through behavioral science. We are doing a couple of pilots uh, with some of our partners on small business deployments. Same principles, but comparing similar businesses to similar businesses and benchmarking their energy use. Uh, we are not uh, deployed with any commercial or industrial clients today. Okay. Uh, thank you for that. Um, another, another question uh, uh, comes regarding,
0: regarding privacy. privacy. You know, a, a lot of people are concerned about their data, data coming data through. And what sort of safeguards do you handle in terms, of in terms of privacy and the data if you so are working directly with utilities?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, let me turn this one over to Barry, actually. He's more of an expert on our data privacy
2: sure so this is a an excellent question and Opower is very uh, very diligent in maintaining strict confidentiality about all the customer data that we draw upon to create our home energy reports uh, the Energy usage data that we receive uh, comes directly from the utility companies that we work with and we sign a very uh, comprehensive um, and secure agreement with them to uh, maintain the privacy of all the information we're receiving. Uh, A lot of the other information we draw upon such as uh, the square footage of people's homes and How many occupants live in the homes? That is all publicly available data uh, that is coming from uh, county records, tax assessors, offices, uh, census related data that Opower goes out uh, and purchases, um, but that is public data. Uh, We do not share it, Uh, we use it strictly for the purposes of this program. Uh, But yeah, we take. Uh, intensive precautions um, to make sure any individual's data uh, is uh, strictly confined to uh, them and their home energy analysis.
0: Okay. okay. Um, great. Another question comes regarding real-time data, I know that Opower focuses on sort of month-end reports and not providing instantaneous data, whereas other companies are looking at that space. Sort of why that just and how does that affected the effectiveness of your program?
1: So the rollout of these smart meters has given a lot of excitement uh, across the entire electric industry about the opportunity to disaggregate usage, take in more data, and provide that data back to consumers in a way that's exciting and meaningful. If you think about the number of data reads that many utilities have taken for residences, uh, traditionally it's 12 a year. They take one reading a month. In some cases it's a bi-monthly reading. They take six readings a year. If you think about switching to interval data reads, it's not going to be 12 reads a year, it's going to be 35,000 reads a year. Some people believe that households want to see all 35,000 reads. Opower does not believe that most households have the uh, interest or capacity to process 35,000 pieces of data on their energy consumption. Um, We think what's most important is deriving the insight from your usage. Rather than showing you what your usage was um, 10 minutes ago, and comparing it to right now, and having you derive uh, uh, in your head what the change was, we just want to find the biggest changes, whether it's an inefficient AC or an old refrigerator, and give that insight to you. Um, You know, we like to say that energy efficiency is powerful and it's interesting, but it's not sexy. And we don't think that when people go on Facebook, what they want to talk about is uh, their energy use, they want to talk about their friends' vacation photos, and things like that. So that's a roundabout way of saying, Uh, we believe the power is really in the disaggregated usage and insight rather than real-time data. However, uh, we know that for a small subset of the population who are very interested or who have an engineering background, they do want that real-time data. They want the ability to download their data and analyze it themselves. Uh, It's very important for those people who are interested. If they're going to spend all the time to go online, find that data, and try to analyze it, then it should be there for them. So, uh, while Opower does not believe that real-time data will lead to substantial behavior change, we are committed to working with our utility partners to provide that real-time data. Usually we do it in a uh, 24-hour delay um, just so the data can be validated and processed before going to the customer so they don't see any sort of wacky usage usage charges or um, um, uh, billing, all that gets cleaned up before the customer sees it. But that is our approach to real-time data. We we favor insight over uh, We say insight trumps data, I guess.
0: Um, Actually, this question is for Kirsten. For for the program, they just got started, but have you gotten any anecdotal responses from customers? customers How are they
3: taking it? What are people
0: saying about the program so far?
3: Um, Sure. Well, uh, we have had a few customers um, that have called us. uh, They don't understand who their neighbor is sometimes. Um, they want to know more about that. Um, sometimes, um, Barry was mentioning some of the data that we that we have that's inputted in there. Uh, sometimes uh, the assessor data, the square footage of a home may not be correct, but what's been really nice is having the ability to use the customer service application, and I've been able to change that, or our customer service um, representatives have been able to change that, and it immediately is reflected on the website. Um, I noticed, I, I'm a part of the pilot myself, and so I changed my square footage. And it worked very well, and then um, and then thus I will be compared to the correct neighbors. So if I only have, let's say, I have 700 square feet in my home, but it actually says I have 1,400. Ooh, I'm not going to be charged. I'm not going to be compared to the right people. So those are the types of um, questions that we've gotten. Um, almost every single one has been a nice. You know, by the end of it, I've, I've had a couple of people saying, "Well, thanks for including me in your pilot." So that's been really lovely. It's also been nice because um, we've gotten repeat visitors to the Smart Living Center. Um, which we really like to get visitors in there to, to see hands-on what um, energy use is like. So they've brought their reports in and have come and talked to us um, about their reports, and that's, that, in, that face-to-face communication is ideal. Um, I guess this will be the last question. question. Um, what one question, question that a lot of people have of, asked is what, what percentage, percentage of the behavior
0: behavior-based savings are seen after six months, a year? It seems like it's sort of instantaneous, you know, two years. About about how do you verify those savings? savings.
1: Sure. Uh, This is Chris. uh, And that is a great question about our uh, M&D methodology. I'll try to go through it quickly. By the way, if you have any follow-up questions for any of the three of us, um, please feel free to email us. Feel free to visit opower.com or sign up for our newsletter. And uh, Kristen, what was the energy? The The website?
3: website.
1: Oh, the website is uinet.com slash energy reports. Okay, uinet.com slash energy reports if you're interested. Uh, And we'll send out a follow-up email with more information about Opower and the Connecticut Efficiency Fund. But to get back to this question, the way that we actually measure our savings is that we run large-scale experimental design. So imagine for instance that Opower has a city where we're going to deploy 40,000 households on home energy reports. We will identify a population of 80,000 households that in aggregate have statistically identical uh, energy usage over the course of the last two years. We will then randomly de- divide those into the test and control populations so that those 2 subsegments are statistically identical. The only change um, going forward um, throughout the program is that one set of the households will receive the reports on a monthly or bi-monthly basis. The other set of households will not. So they will continue to experience the same economy, the same um, weather, the same uh, social trends. The only difference is the reports. And so we measure the difference in consumption between the test and the control on an ongoing basis every month to determine what the percentage savings is. Uh, our longest running deployment to date, I believe, is 34 months and what we, have, what we see in most of our deployments is an initial ramp up period from the first three to six months and then a steady state of savings between 2 and 3% that fluctuates by season, meaning, meaning that in areas where there's a hot summer. People save the most in the summer, where the areas there's a hot where there 's a very cool winter like Minnesota they save the most in the winter, and then we see seasonal variation with a slight uptick in results um, improving over time as I mentioned, our longest deployment is thirty four months we 've seen some of our strongest results in the last twelve months of that program, and so the way that we know that people are continuing to save is that we continue to monitor their consumption as compared to the control group over time we 'll be publishing the um, results hopefully later this year of uh, the full first three years of uh, that program. Thanks
0: thank Chris for out. that and, and uh, that concludes talk the talk by Christian Brooks, and Chris Corcoran on and behavioral Energy Efficiency. We'd like to thank our, our panelists for joining us this afternoon. This, this talk will be made available, available through the Blueprint for Efficiency, efficiency channel on YouTube. If you'd like, you like it, a copy of the presentation please visit the website and the Center for Business and Environment at Yale. The presentation will be under the Carbon, Carbon Finance, finance Security Series for this particular talk. We will continue to develop, 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 develop and develop new technologies models and finance and policy options the as the weeks progress. progress. Please, Please join us, join us for another an talk in our series, this commentator is on our board 12 a Energy in Your Community, Boosting Demand and Expanding Retrofit Programs. We look forward, look forward to your continued participation. We thank, you, thank all, you all for joining, for joining us for Blueprint for, for Efficiency, part of the Carbon Finance Security Series at This is Rasha Kamant from the Center
3: of Business is and Environment at Yale, been so long from New Haven, Connecticut.